Uh, my wife Holly's recently got into Ancestry.com. Are any of you on that or know somebody? Um, it can become quite addicting. If you didn't know, we're expecting a third child, so she's on Ancestry to find uh, family names, um, especially for a middle name. And as doing this family research, we found out that her side of the family is uh, related, dating back, uh, uh, I guess that's the 17th century, to a guy named Solomon uh, Stoddard, who was the grandfather of Jonathan Edwards, the great Puritan uh, preacher and theologian. So uh, my children are not a direct descendant of Jonathan Edwards, but he's a great, great uncle uh, of some sort. Uh, from a, a different line, um, but Jonathan Edwards was the grandfather of, did you know this, Aaron Burr. Aaron Burr, who famously shot Alexander Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, in that famous duel um, in New Jersey. At the time, Aaron Burr was the vice president of the United States and shot this guy and got away with it. Uh, it ran off for a while to South Carolina and then finally came back to Washington, D.C., and the charges were dropped. <laughs> and this is uh, the way the world used to operate more often, uh, you know, not too long ago. I mean, we're talking about just a, a couple few hundred years ago, but, but life uh, was just for the general person, everyday person, much more dangerous, uh, fear of, 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 of death. That's why people would often carry weapons all the time. Um, and you see this still to, to this day, though. Uh, even in 2017, uh, people are more familiar with this maybe in developing countries, but even in the United States, um, where there's, there's violence like this. In 2001, I rode uh, a bicycle across the United States from San Francisco to Washington, D.C. with a team of guys, and we, got a, we had a few police escorts while we're on this ride. And usually it was some sort of ceremonial entrance into a small town in the middle of nowhere. Um, but we had two uh, police escorts in the same exact day, not for that purpose, but for, for safety. Uh, we had to ride our bikes through the south side of Chicago. Um, and uh, the, basically the police were say, they said, you, you may not unless we go with you. And then on the other side of the Indiana border, we got a, a police escort through Gary, Indiana, uh, uh, where the Jackson, Michael Jackson's family is from and where uh, Notre Dame is uh, near South Bend, Gary, Indiana, and risk of uh, potential uh, injury or robbery because we would call so much attention to ourselves being outsiders on these bicycles. Psalm 121 describes a similar situation. Some believe that uh, Psalms 120 through 134, maybe you've heard this before, were pilgrimage psalms. They're called the Psalms of Ascent because either there were psalms that were sung in ascent to Jerusalem or the ascents of the steps to the temple. And maybe they weren't written for that purpose, but we know that they were often sung at least during uh, pilgrimages. So that's why they're called Psalms of Ascent. <clears throat> and someone on that journey to um, Jerusalem might encounter someone outside of Jerusalem on their way in who's a godless sort of Gentile, a marauder, or a thief. There is real risk of uh, being robbed and perhaps injured on your way uh, into Jerusalem. And not to mention, you know, let alone the, the dangers of the scorching sun. And have you ever camped out at night in the wilderness? You know, when you hear 
any sound that's strange, you freak out and think, you know, the wolves or the bears are coming, right? I mean, this would have been the sort of situation in a pilgrimage in the ancient world. It's helpful in order to understand this to actually go back just one previous psalm to the very end of Psalm 120, uh, verses 5 through 7, where the psalmist says, Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Keter. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Describing uh, two uh, different nations of people, uh, Meshach and Keter, who are Gentiles who don't want peace, as they're described, but want war. Um, And this would have been another psalm that was sung in a pilgrimage on the way into Jerusalem. Or just consider, to understand this ancient world phenomenon, um, Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan, where he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. So this uh, is the context of the pilgrim in Psalm 121. Let me uh, read Psalm 121 again for you, okay? And as I'm reading it, uh, imagine yourself on the way into Jerusalem in the wilderness, and there are dangerous people out there, you know, no police escort, and off into the distance perhaps you can see the hill, Jerusalem on top, the temple, and the path is unsure, it's rocky. Your footing is loose, and you're going uphill. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved, and he who watches over you will not fall asleep. Behold, he who keeps watch over Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. So that the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. It is he who shall keep you safe. The Lord shall watch over your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. Does that help you imagine uh, this experience from where is my help to come? You know, when I'm in this helpless uh, situation of pilgrimage, my help comes from nothing else but the Lord, who's actually the maker of heaven and earth, all-powerful. He's the same guy who made everything. And he watches over uh, you and me all the time. He will not fall asleep, even at night when there, you know, the mystery of the darkness and the sounds that's out there, and I don't know what... Uh, animal or person might come in the middle of the night. He watches over me, will not fall asleep. And in the day, when I'm in the desert sun, he is my shade. Uh, protects me not only from the sun, but the moon by night, the darkness, the, 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 the monsters of the night from this time forth and forevermore, for all time. Uh, this is uh, the psalm that a pilgrim would be singing, and it's not only helpful for imagining the literal experience of the pilgrimage, but this uh, psalm has a sort of metaphoric connotation of one's entire life. One's entire life as a pilgrim. Because life is difficult, is it not? 
And we're in constant need of help. Just like the pilgrim in the middle of the wilderness. We're in constant need of help because life is difficult. This is why the so-called self-help book uh, industry and fad diets are, are so popular. You know, I mean, people are looking for help. It's one of the largest uh, aisles in the bookstore is, is the self-help books. And often they offer little more than temporary relief. If you've ever read one, you know, it's great for like three months. Uh, what is it? The five-minute workday or whatever, the four-hour workday or whatever. You know, it might work for a little while, uh, but then it, it doesn't. And it leads to sort of long-term despair when that thing fails you. And maybe we go on to the next self-help book, How to Win Friends and Influence People or whatever it is, you know, and it works for a little while and it doesn't stick. And we think, maybe it's me, you know, maybe I'm the problem. Uh, and that's why we're led to sheer frustration. And the current biggest self-help topic right now, it's probably always been this, but the thing that I hear all the time is uh, about positivity, you know, thinking positive, be happy, happy thoughts, you know, be yourself, you're special, uh, follow your dreams. If you believe it, you can achieve it. You can do anything you put your mind to. Stop thinking negative thoughts. Get out of your comfort zone. Um, get over your fears. The universe will reward your positivity. Isn't that the book, The Secret? I've never read it, but I've heard the secret is basically, is this right? Be positive if you've read it, and the universe will send back to you good things. That's the sort of message of the prosperity gospel. If, you're, if you, if you uh, think positive thoughts and and have happiness, God will reward you financially and, and with more happiness. Um, and it's not working. It's, it's just not working. If you've lived life for any amount of time, you know that this isn't true. And meanwhile, we're, because we're surrounded by marauders, aren't we? You know, I mean, this life is full of people and things who don't care about your positivity. Just think about death. Death is the ultimate marauder and thief. If someone comes into my room with an aphorism of positivity on the deathbed, I'm going to hope that I'm going to wish that that person were dead, you know, because it's not going to help. You know, Matt, just think positive thoughts. I'm dying here. You know, nothing is going to, to solve the situation for me. Um, you might put on a, a good face um, for a little while, but it's just not going to work in life either. So where is your help going to come from? You know, is it going to come from a happy meal or a platitude, um, an aphorism or some leader like Oprah Winfrey or Joel Osteen, uh, a drug perhaps that offers relief or a person with whom you're codependent? Is your help going to come from that? If you think so, you will die on that deathbed a disappointed person because those things ultimately are not going to offer the help and when someone gives you an aphorism on the deathbed, you'll feel it, you know, unless you've been lying to yourself all along and think, yes, that sounds great, you know, but it's not going to put death at bay. Death is going to come. It's the ultimate marauder. And there's so many other things in this life that that take away from us and cause us to need help. And so Psalm 121 is correct. Our only source of help comes from the Lord. Our only source after all these other things are said and done. Our only source of help comes from the Lord. Um, Joe Cocker and the Beatles were wrong. <laughs> Remember, I get by with a little help from my friends. 
I need more than a little bit of help. And I don't get by with just a little bit of help from my friends. I need a, a guardian who keeps watch over my going out and my coming in. You know, who neither slumbers nor sleeps. Who's watching over me and providing help uh, uh, all my life. And at the end, for the biggest disappointment, I mentioned the, um, the, the bike ride that I made across the United States. Um, the longest day of that ride was in Nevada because between the cities of uh, Fallon and Austin, Nevada, there's a 110-mile stretch of desert with nothing uh, between. I think maybe one service station and that's it, but no place to stay. Somewhere in the middle of the, the, that, that path, and by the way, it's Highway 50, if you've ever been on it, there are signs there that say the loneliest highway in America. Right, this is June, you know, 100 degrees in the desert with no shade on a bicycle on the black asphalt. And every few miles, there's a sign that says the loneliest highway in America. <laughs> and halfway, there's a phone, which is really depressing because it's like, you know, what if you're like 30 miles from the filling station or 30 miles from the phone? Where do I go? You know, if you, if you need help, uh, this is pre-cell phone era. Um, loneliest highway in America and about 30 miles or so from Austin, uh, we could, the road was like the, the center aisle right here. I mean, you could just see it for miles and miles and miles and up the hill, 20, 30 miles out, there's Austin, Nevada on this hot day. And, uh, when that happened, I regained my sort of courage. It was frustrating because it didn't feel like it was getting any closer for quite a while, but it was the motivation uh, to get there. And it was uphill, you know, 6,000 feet or something like that, altitude. Um, it's just like the psalm. I lift uh, my eyes to the hills, and for, where is my help to come? The, 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 the motivation, the sort of carrot there at the end of the stick. And as we began uh, to, to see it, we all sort of regained the motivation Friends, uh, your life is like uh, Psalm 121 describes, and there's an actual hill uh, at the end of this life. The, the city on the hill uh, should give us, that city should give us more hope than even Austin, Nevada gave me on that uh, hot day. And the guardian who watches over you uh, is even more powerful and protective than those police who escorted us in the south side of Chicago. Toward the end of John's revelation, he describes a city, another city on a hill, and this is what he has to say. This is the end of the Bible. Then came one of the seven angels who spoke to me saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. And I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for he... Uh, glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth 
will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no light there will be no night there. That's the vision of what is beyond the deathbed, that hill coming down. And when this life can feel like a pilgrimage of despair, surrounded by false hopes, ideas, and people who are like those marauders in the wilderness, you know, just like the pilgrim who lifts his eyes to the hills and sees Jerusalem and is reminded of the Lord and the help is to come from him, and just like me in the middle of the desert looking up to Austin, Nevada, there off in the distance. Our life is actually like that. We have a hill, a city on top of a hill, on the horizon, on the other side of death. So if you're looking for uh, some help, stop telling yourself platitudes. Stop trusting the self-help industry to give you the answers. Stop idolizing uh, disappointing codependent relationships. And look solely to the maker of heaven and earth. Look solely to our Redeemer. Look solely uh, to the guidance of the Holy Spirit who leads us there and neither slumbers nor sleeps. And look forward to that new city on a hill awaiting you beyond the horizon of this life. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, uh, we know that ultimately all the helps of this world lead us uh, just to frustration, Lord. Bring us not temporary relief, but eternal relief. We look to you. Help us to see that city on a hill even more clearly in the horizon. We pray this by the merits and mediation of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.